If you're like me, you are tired and your voice is like one octave lower than it was last night. I don't know if you can hear that. I'm, I'm just a little gravelly this morning, which is a good thing. You know, I could sing some bass notes. That's a fun thing. But uh, it's, it's been fun to be with you here this weekend. And uh, I've been encouraged to have some conversations with some of you and hear how God's working in your heart. And uh, I'm confident that there are some of you that God is working in your heart, and I'm not going to hear about that. That's fine. I don't need to. But I'm glad that God is at work in you. You're responding to his spirit. And uh, just we've got a short time here this morning. That's my commitment to you. A short time. I know you're tired. I know you're gassed. And uh, when in positions like this, I know you can't handle, like, you know, the two hours that I've planned. So I'm going to cut it to one, if that's okay with you, right? Okay. Man, okay. Yeah, thanks, Jared. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I just, I really want to just encourage you to dial it in here for about 20 minutes, okay? It'll be quick. Hopefully, uh, God will use it. His Spirit's here among us. And so just dial it in with me here for about 20 minutes. Uh, Go ahead and turn back to Jonah. And we're going to pick it up where we left off last night. We've uh, almost completed the story here. Started off with God calling Jonah to take the word to Nineveh, and he runs from the presence of God. He decides that it's better for him to die than obey, than to follow. And in that first chapter, you have that great dichotomy between the prophet who's rebelling and the sailors who are rebels, but they repent. And you see the point of that first chapter is very vividly made that what does God want from us? He wants us to turn to him. Jonah would not, the sailors decided to turn, and they praised him, and God rejoiced. Bless you. (laughs) Chapter 2, we have Jonah at the bottom of the sea, and he decides, he remembers that turning to the Lord is better than dying. And he does, he prays, and God delivers him, swallows him into that fish, and in the belly of that fish for three days, as Jonah meditates on who his God is, remembers God's character. He decides, I want to follow you again. I want to honor the vows I've made to you as your prophet. He says, I'll go. I'll do the job. He, he repents. And what we looked at last night in Luke 15, God rejoiced. Chapter 3, what we looked at last night, he goes. God tells him again, go to Nineveh. And he goes. Good job, Jonah. <laughs> he goes. He preaches this message. 40 days and you're going to die. You're going to be overthrown. And what you would expect is for this wicked people of Nineveh to think he's crazy, to turn away, to to not listen. What do they all do? From the lowest of them to the king, they repent. They show their humility. They take their clothes off. They put on sackcloth. They sit in ash and they cry out to God. And he asks the question, because who knows? Maybe God will turn. Maybe God will change his mind about destroying us if we turn back to him. And what did God do? And that's where we'll pick it up. Verse 10 of chapter 3, Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. He saw their repentance. He rejoices. And what does he do? God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Now, how this story ends is rather unique. You would expect a repentant prophet to be excited about repentance like God 
is excited about repentance, right? For example, if you went to your counselor last night, this morning, and you said, hey, God's word really spoke to me and I repented, and they're like, oh, goodness, that's horrible. Wouldn't you be like, wait, time out. (laughs) That's not how you're supposed to react, counselor. If you're at church, and you say, hey, pastor, I'm just, I'm just really thankful for you and the messages that you've preached. And here's what God has shown me. This is what I want to do. I want to serve him. And your pastor's like, oh, goodness, another one? Another person that wants to follow the Lord? You'd be like, uh-oh, pastor's having a bad day. That's what Jonah does. The prophet he would expect at this point to... Rejoice and repentance like God actually pouts. He gets upset. He gets angry. So look at chapter 4, verse 1. God rejoices in repentance, but Jonah, chapter 4, verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord, and this is a little bit different of a prayer than he had in the fish prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, because I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Gives you a picture into Jonah's heart right there. God, this is exactly why I didn't want to go to these people in the first place. Because I knew, and in your notes, blank number one, I knew you were gracious, God. Jonah says, I know, God, that it is your character to give me what I never deserve. You want to bless me. You are gracious. He says, I know you're merciful. I know that you will not give me what I do deserve. I know that about you, God. I know that you're slow to anger. Ooh, man. I'm so thankful God is slow to anger. If God was not slow to anger, you'd see people dying a lot. Like, poof, oh, wow, okay, must have done something. (laughs) But he's not like that. He's very patient. Slow to anger. Jonah says, I knew, number four in your notes, the Roman numeral four, not the number four, abounding, that you abound in steadfast love. That's the same word that we talked about earlier, that chesed, that faithfulness of God, his covenant faithfulness, how he always keeps his promises. I knew, God, that you were like this. You're faithful, you're loving. And I knew, Roman numeral five there, that you relent when people repent. He said, I knew this all about you, God, and this is exactly why I didn't want to go, because I knew there was a chance that these people would repent and they wouldn't get the punishment they deserve. And he was upset that this wicked people, his enemy, were forgiven. Wow. (laughs) As we've already said, it's kind of odd for a prophet to react like that, right? You keep looking here. You go back to verse 3. Based on his anger at... God relenting, what does Jonah request? Number two in your notes. This might sound familiar to you from chapter one. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Remember when he's on the boat and the sailors say, Jonah, what should we do to you 
that we might live, that God would take the storm away. And the simple answer was, all I have to do is repent. He knew God was gracious and merciful and slow to anger. Jonah was running for those very reasons. He knew, all I have to do is repent. And what was his answer on the boat? Ah, kill me. Throw me overboard. I'm done. I'd rather die than repent. Here it comes up again. God, you forgave these people because they turned to you. And I can't take it. The best thing to happen right now is for you to kill me. And you look in your notes. He says, it's better for me to die. I want you to notice something. Or think about something, rather. What type of heart attitude responds like that or reacts like that? Going back to our discussion in Galatians 5, would your flesh or the Spirit of God produce a response or a reaction like that? Something happens that you don't like. (laughs) You react and your verbal response to God is, kill me, this stinks. Let me give you a hint. The Spirit of God doesn't produce that. When you respond to your circumstances in a similar manner, angered, frustrated, get me out of here, I don't deserve this, why is this happening to me? Maybe you've even thought that same thing. It's a tendency of the human flesh to think that death is a worthy escape to the circumstances of life rather than repentance and trusting the Lord. You might have had those thoughts. But let me give you a hint. It's not the Spirit of God that produces that. It's a sinful heart. Here you have the unrepentant prophet who repented, now in need of some more repentance. You catch the the theme here? Number two there, notice his priorities. We've already kind of highlighted this. One of the greatest signs of God growing you, producing light in your life, is that as he transforms you, you will start to love what he loves, and you will start to hate what he, God, hates. You will start to look at sin, and you will be disgusted with it, rather than enticed and drawn and in love with it. You'll start to look at truth, And virtue, character, real beauty. And you'll start to love those things. You'll think about honoring your parents with joy. You'll think about being a testimony, sharing the gospel as your greatest joy in life. (laughs) And I can tell you, by the way, being someone who's around this very often, getting to speak at camps is such a great privilege. Every time a student, a camper, sees and opens their eyes and accepts Christ, there's a joy there that's not found anywhere else in life. As God starts changing your heart, you'll start to love those things. And you look at Jonah and his priorities, he does not love what God loves. In fact, we looked in Luke 15, God would have rejoiced if one of the Ninevites repented. If one of them turned, and they all turned, and here's Jonah, kill me. (laughs) 
man, I'm glad that we're not supposed to respond like that as preachers. <laughs> One of you comes and shares with me, hey, Charlie, I repented last night. Okay, okay, God, it's time. Take me. <laughs> My job is over. Take me. That's not how he should have responded. You look at number three in your notes, God kind of turns it on him. You see the phrase that Jonah used. He says, is it good? Or he says, it's better for me. That's the word good in Hebrew, just a, a specific connotation of it. It's better for me to die. So Jonah, it's good for me to die right now. The Lord kind of flips it on him. Look what he says in verse four. Then the Lord said, is it right? And the idea, is it good for you to be angry. Jonah, it's good for me to die. God, is it good for you, Jonah, to be angry? We know the answer. No. <laughs> Anger, Galatians 5, outbursts of wrath, contentions, jealousies, those are from the flesh. They're not from the spirit. It's not good that Jonah is consumed and controlled by anger. Just like back in chapter 1, when the captain of that ship said, Arise, sleeper, call to your God, what are you doing? And Jonah didn't respond. Look at what he does here. There's no record of him responding to that question. The next verse, so Jonah went out of the city. God is speaking to him, asking him questions about what's at work in his heart. And what does Jonah do? Again, just like chapter 1 flees from the presence, leaves the city. He's not talking to the Lord. He goes out of the city, sat on the east side. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade until he might see what would become of the city. Now, I'm not sure, the text isn't clear, if God told Jonah that he had relented, but it certainly seems from his reaction at the beginning of chapter 4, that Jonah knew God isn't going to punish them. He's pouting. He's so angry. He goes out of the city waiting for then God to change his mind again as if he says, you'll see, God. You'll see how wicked these people are, and I know eventually you're going to punish them. And so he goes out of the city in his anger and just sits and waits. The only person that deserved punishment at this moment of the story is Jonah not the Ninevites. They'd repented. Jonah was sitting in anger and sin. Then we've got this really unique little portion of the story. and We're just going to kind of read through a bunch of verses here, so we'll pick it up in verse 6, okay? Just how God prepared a fish for Jonah when he repented, he's preparing some other things for him when he's not repenting, okay? Verse 6, and the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. That's a merciful God right there, giving someone what they don't deserve, <laughs> just as Jonah knew. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant, not recognizing where it came from at all, just, wow, thank you, plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it, with, that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. God is circumstantially controlling what's happening to Jonah. God is sovereign. He's trying to humble Jonah. 
He gives him blessing and takes it away. He gives him discomfort, trying to get Jonah to recognize what's going on within, to give him an awareness of what's at work in his heart. And Jonah comes back to the similar refrain, just kill me. It's better for me to die than to live. God, just like before in verse 4, asks him the same question again. Then he said, then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And what do we know the answer is? (laughs) No. And he said, yes. It is right for me to be angry, even to death. Now that's a pretty distinct challenge to God, isn't it? When God asks you a rhetorical question about anger, usually he's trying to point out something. Jonah, is it good for you to be angry? Every one of us looking at this in hindsight knows. (laughs) No. Jonah gets to the point of unrepentance where he says, Yes, God, I'm absolutely right to be in my sin right now. I'm justified to be angry. He challenges him. Man, it's a dangerous place to be in when you're challenging God like that. I hope none of you have a heart like that in you. But that's what Jonah says. Yes, it is right for me to be angry. So then God is going to wrap this story up, and it kind of comes to an abrupt halt, okay? And you're going to maybe hear the dissonance, okay? But the Lord said, you have, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and much livestock? End. It's kind of an odd ending of the story, isn't it? It ends with, and many livestock, the end. Now, let's look at those verses quickly. He's pointing out what we've already seen. He's trying to reveal to Jonah that his priorities are off. He says, on one hand... You're pitying this plant. The plant's existence was barely a day. You had no interest or you didn't labor for it as it grew. It came up and it went away. And here you are, angry to the point of death over the plant. And over here, over 100,000 who cannot discern from their right and their left, he's talking about children, little children. He says, Jonah, you're sitting out here angry that I forgave and didn't kill thousands, hundreds of thousands of kids and people. And you're upset over this little plant. (laughs) When you look at it like that, it does seem kind of silly, doesn't it? But man, sin does make us stupid. Now, what's missing here, what you're expecting is point five in your notes. You would expect from a question like that from God, a very pointed look into Jonah's heart, he would have been able to see how sinful he was, and you would expect from every chapter of this story that what Jonah should do is what? Repent. You would expect the story to end with Jonah's repentance. But it's not there. We don't know what he did. But I think this is actually a genius teaching tool from whoever wrote this. He's walked you through this story, and every step of the way, you've seen good responses to truth. 
You've seen pagan sailors repent. You've seen Jonah at the bottom of the sea repent. You've seen Nineveh, a wicked city, its king, and all of its people repent. And here, as the story closes, you have the prophet again in anger, knowing who God is, wanting nothing to do with his character, wanting his own desires. And as the curtains close on Jonah, you should be left with one thought. Man, he should repent. <laughs> right? Do you see that? The, the author led you right there. Jonah, is it right for you to be angry over that plant? Should you not have pitied all of these children? The rhetorical answers are, no, you should not be angry over the plant. Yes, you should pity those children. And what should Jonah do? Jonah should repent. What I'm hoping this builds into your mind as you remember this story. When you hear Jonah referenced, you say, what's Jonah about? That you would not respond, oh, he gets swallowed by a fish. <laughs> this story is all about repentance. It's about the need for repentance. Every one of us are sinners. Every one of us, when we love our own sin, we forsake God's love. It's about God's character. He's gracious, he's merciful, he's loving, he's slow to anger. He will relent, he will turn if you turn to him. It's about a need for repentance. It's about the character of your God and it closes with a call to doing what you know you should do. When you ever find yourself in a position like this, upset, angered over the circumstances of your life, Things aren't going the way you thought they should go. Going to Galatians 5, there's that list of all of those things. You find yourself consumed with idols, with sin, with hatred. What should you do? <laughs> you should repent. As I said last night, this is not something that you do at camp. And then five years from now, you would say, yeah, I repented at camp once. I'm good. This should be a pattern in your life. Look at Jonah as example. One day, unrepentant, thrown into the sea. Repents, follows the Lord, serves him. God uses him. Same day, the same day Jonah woke up excited to serve the Lord and pay his vows, he's also angry and in need of repentance. Every day of your life, you have to be in tune to the need for repentance, the character of your God, that if you repent, he rejoices, and you have to remind yourself that that's what I need to do first. Our flesh's tendency is to change things out here, to go and do things out here, to earn it, to look good on the outside. Christianity, transformation, Shining, sharing the light of Christ does not start out here. It starts in your heart with repentance. And I hope that, and I know, I know, because I can see some of your eyes right now. The eyes are a gateway to the soul. And I know that this is meaningful to some of you. And just, So just like all the other chapels, I'm going to close in prayer. And just ask, I, I really, I beg you, don't just zone out as I pray. Don't just... Zone out, forget, start thinking about lunch, 
start thinking about going home. I'm going to get my phone back. Like just focus in for five, ten minutes here as we close in prayer. Talk to the Lord. If you're anything like Jonah, which we all are because we're human, you need repentance too. I need repentance. And so as I close in prayer and pray out loud, please pray to the Lord silently. And then uh, turn it back over to Jason. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. And God, thank you for a great reminder in your word of our greatest need. God, that we do on a daily basis need to recognize sin at work within. And God, we're completely blind to that of ourselves. It's your spirit and your word that help us to see But God, I'm thankful that when you open our eyes to see what we've never seen before, to see what we didn't even know was present within, and you humble us, and we turn to you, and we ask for forgiveness and cleansing, God, you're always faithful, you're always gracious, you're always merciful, you're slow to anger, you abound in steadfast love for us, and you turn too. When I repent, God, you forgive God, thank you so much for that privilege to know you through repentance, through your son. And God, I pray for us as a group of believers this morning who hopefully have a desire to be a great testimony and a light for Christ. And God, I I just ask that you continue to remind us today as we go home that, that this story of Jonah would be built into our perception and conception of light that we would recognize daily that our testimony, our witness starts with a heart yielded to you. It starts from within. It starts with repentance. And Father, as we go out from here today, we go back to our lives, help us to have resolve and commitment to follow you in truth. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your word. And as we always do, we pray these things in your son, Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.